Hello, and welcome to the Heartfire Beat. This is a monthly podcast featuring interviews with authors from the Journal of Cardiac Failure. I'm Eileen Sheesh, your host, and I'm happy to be bringing you an episode in our bonus patient series. This puts a spotlight on important advances in heart failure care for both patients and caregivers. Today's podcast is talking about traveling with heart failure. I'm joined today by Dr. Mary Leah Coco, who is a heart failure patient who travels across states for her medical appointment. Hi, Dr. Coco. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Fantastic. I'm going to summarize actually how we first met because I think it's important actually for people to know kind of what your struggles along the way and and how things got better, but also your traveling experiences had a change as you actually went from sick to well. Okay. So I've known you actually since 2011 when you came to my clinic. And at that time, you were 31 years of age. You had a weak heart that did not improve after four months of medical therapy. And you were in graduate school at that time, and you recently had a baby. I remember you were being, you were very determined. I was joking with you right before the podcast that I felt like that this was a homework assignment, that everything you did, you were going to succeed. And I was just one more piece of homework that had to get done. And at that time, your ejection fraction was 15 to 20%. And we thought that actually the cause of your weak heart was related to your recent pregnancy. And that is called peripartum cardiomyopathy. But over time, I think we've grown a little more suspicious that this is a genetic cause. More importantly, I I remember also the difficulties that you encountered. You actually, before you got a defibrillator, passed out while driving and was very, very fortunate to not have anything more serious than that. That is in itself a serious thing. And you were able to make it to a hospital. You didn't injure yourself or others. And you were able to actually get a defibrillator. And I remember that your heart rate was actually high and your blood pressure was low and it was kind of difficult for us to adjust medication. But over time, we were able to slowly improve your heart with using medications and and the pacemaker. And your ejection fraction actually increased to 45%, from 15 to 20 to 45%. So I'm going to ask you, can you remember what it was like in the beginning to travel such a long distance from Louisiana, where you live, to your doctor appointments with me in Cleveland, Ohio, and give us a perspective of what it was like because of the fact that you were also a new mom and you were juggling a lot at that moment? Well, I think you're correct that I did look at it as a homework assignment and being able to compartmentalize was very Effective for me. And I looked at knowledge as power. And I also looked at not so much information. I can remember my doctor at home saying, don't get on the internet and only look at certain sites. And so I waited to get the information until I came to Cleveland. But what I did is I just came prepared with, with my files. And one of the things that I can remember you telling me was the patient that sitting in front of me doesn't look like the patient that records that I'm looking at right now. It's one of the first things that I remember you telling me. But in terms of challenges, the biggest challenge is actually that my foot was broken. That was the biggest challenge that I can remember at that young age coming and that you're just afraid. But when you're preparing as, as a new heart patient, there's so much information coming at you and 
where do I eat? How do I, what, where do I go? How do I go through the airport? Cause you're thinking about other sicknesses that you could potentially pick up. So I did a lot of research on local restaurants where I could eat in the hospital. How would I travel from point A to point B? What did local transportation look like? The Cleveland Clinic actually has a car service that they would help set up for you. And so doing all of that background work ahead of time was something that helped me be organized and focused when I got there. The, the red coat service at the hospital, knowing where I could ask questions, but also taking a step back and knowing what I didn't know and waiting for somebody to give me the answers and not worrying about things that, I, that were out of my control. And also planning enough time. So I knew I had a shortened window. So I took a strategic approach that I would travel in on a Wednesday. I would have all my testing done on a Thursday. I would see doctors on a Friday and I would travel home on a Saturday. So I think not rushing was something that was very strategic for me to do and actually has been a, an approach that I've taken for almost the last 10 years coming to the Cleveland Clinic. And I think is important for anyone traveling out of town. And is that the impression that you got from that first import, that first appointment as well? Yeah, I mean, the part I forgot about was the broken leg, to be honest with you. I, I don't even remember that. But I do remember that you were incredibly organized, that I felt that this was just one more piece. I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, I don't know how I would, you know, study and do grad school. And you're like, oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm near exam time. We're not. That's not in the cards. We're finishing this and we're going to take care of that. So I do remember how determined you were to make sure everything got done and not derailed. I wanted to ask, I mean, you have not only traveled for your doctor appointments, and I can't remember if you traveled the first time with your mother, but I know now you travel for work as well as to advocate for patients and represent them. And you go to many different cities. And with that in mind, how do you prepare to go to places that are possibly unfamiliar to you? And you probably go to those cities now alone when they're for work. So how does that differ? Yeah, the work travel versus medical travel is very different. You're right. My first visit to see you, my husband came along. And now that our daughter has gotten older with school, that's just been harder to manage. So he stays back and my mom and I actually used to do this some really special time together. But with work, I travel solo a whole lot. One strategic approach I try to take is to always try and get a nonstop flight if it's possible. Because I'm shortening any interactions with other people traveling, any sicknesses, any del other delays in the airport. That's not possible. I actually try to extend my layovers. And most people try to get shortened layovers in the airport. But it's a strategic approach for me because it's harder if you have problems sprinting in an airport. And so that's not, it was never a skill set that I had for heart problems, and it's still not a skill set. So I try to look at what does my travel path look like? I try to get to know the city where I am. I identify hospitals where I'm going. So what is my plan of action? You know, some people look at the back of the hotel door, you know, what is my fire exit, which is important. But I look at where am I around medical care? Where's the nearest pharmacy? When it comes to medicine, I do have all of my medications at a national pharmacy. And I do that strategically because if for some reason I've forgotten to pack a medication, which Fortunately, has never happened. Or if I happen to get sick, 
I want to make sure that all of my records are in one location that's at a likely at a pharmacy at in all the major, even small cities. So I've had to take a holistic approach to travel. What are the odds of me getting sick while I'm away or needing to have access to my information? And also my in any physicians having access to information. Something else that's also important is I print copy of all of my medications and keep it with me at all times because you just never know when you're going to need it. If you are traveling alone, it's important that somebody can get that information for you. If they're not technologically savvy and they can't get on your phone, you want to have that printed copy for you. And in cities that aren't familiar to me is usually where I'm going. And I have been fortunate that I do get to be an advocate across the nation. But you want to make sure that you're taking the time to figure out your bearings where where you are. And I know that you've traveled a lot. Have you found that that's a helpful strategy for you when you travel too? Yeah, but you know, as I'm listening to you, I think that some of the things I never thought about is that you're paying attention to where the hospitals are. That's a very smart move. And being prepared in case you lose your meds, you're gradually strategically thinking, how can I have all my records and easy access to the medications. So I I really like that thought process. That probably would be something that many people don't think about and yet is probably essential, right? And do you keep actually a copy of your history with you? Do you have some way for people to know in case you're in trouble that they can just glance at something to know more about you? I don't have a printed copy of my history, but it's in my phone. But I do have a medical medallion around my neck. And on the back of it, it's inscribed with ICD and heart failure. So I have it in my phone and I have the medical alert around my neck at all times. And actually, you know, you travel when you go to your medical appointments, you do travel with with someone else. What is the benefit of of traveling with someone else? Let others know kind of because you're obviously very independent, but you choose to do that. Well, I learned, you know, when I when I went in for my first cardiology appointment, I went in as a 30-year-old just for a wellness checkup. And I never expected my ejection fraction to be 10% that day. And so sometimes the unexpected can happen. And for the unexpected to happen, a lot of miles from your home state can be devastating. And also when you're in a different city, you're hearing a lot of information from a physician that you might not always remember. So having another set of ears is important. Also, sometimes you're going around a hospital and you need to get to multiple appointments. And so having somebody that can go drop off paperwork, maybe at another doctor while you're going to have lab work or having just somebody else that can help you navigate the the system. There's been one time where I didn't get the proper pre-certification and my mom was able to go sit in the, the office while that pre-certification was happening so I can go to another appointment. So having somebody that can be an advocate for you is an asset. If you're able to do that, it's not something that everybody's able to do. But if you're able to do that, it's also the emotional support. There's a lot of mental stress that goes with traveling just in general. But when you're traveling for a medical appointment, sometimes you're just worried, is that other shoe going to drop? And so it's nice to have somebody there that's on your side that can be that emotional support if something should come out that you're not expecting to not be alone. 
I did come one time by myself and we had got discordant results from a test result. And one result said one thing and one result said another thing. And I remember you called me outside the lab and I was just crying because nothing made sense. And it was the only time I came alone. And I can remember my mom saying, and that's why you don't go alone. Because I do want to do it myself. And you do feel like an imposition. But sometimes you need to be willing to accept the love and the acceptance for others. And I know that you as a physician, you understand managing a family. You have to accept help from others as well. Is it? Have you found that as the case too with your family? Yeah, exactly. I actually think it's very, very important. I, I find that very helpful. And I think that you're a perfect example of, of someone who's independent, but you absolutely, I think that everyone needs support. And almost everyone who comes actually does come with, with other people from the family. And I think that having a long distance has some benefits coming with family. And I, I think you've kind of nicely summarized that. And I think that everyone experiences slightly different things, but I think that the benefits that you just mentioned are are very real. Hearing good or, it's always good when you hear good news, but when you hear anything that is not what you wanted to hear, it's very hard. And having that support right there is is always helpful and navigating. And sometimes unexpected things happen, yet there's a schedule to to keep. So it actually makes it nice to have somebody else. I think you remind us of, of all those things. I wanted to ask you, we're, we're more than halfway through our, um, our podcast. And I wanted to say, how do you remember to take your meds when you're traveling? And do you carry them on you? How do you get through security? Absolutely. I did a lot of research with TSA before I took my first flight with all of my medicine, because sometimes the rules change. And I am insulin resistant, so I do take a shot every single day. And I wasn't sure what the rules were that I had to bring my prescription. And so what I do is I actually portion out my medicine for a whole entire month. And so I bring, I always bring extra medication with me because you never know what the weather's going to do. You never know what flights are going to do. So you want to be prepared. And I always bring my medication on the flight with me. I try to travel in a carry-on bag anyway when I can, but you should always keep your medication with you at all times. You don't want your luggage to get lost. And it's very hard because pharmacies will sometimes only give you an emergency supply, which is a day or two. So my recommendation from a patient perspective is to always travel with your medication. It puts you in a position where you can take care of yourself. And by and large, unless it's liquid, there's no issue going through TSA and security checks for your medication. And if you do have liquid, then if you have the prescription, it'll go right on through. So Dr. Shish, if you're traveling, you'll be able to get through TSA with any medication as well. Thank you. As you with insulin, you have needles. So how, how does that work? Do you have to have a doctor note? How does that work? Since obviously that's not heart failure medications. How do you actually, you said you carry everything on you, which is really important because your luggage can get lost and you need your pills. So I I like that. But how do you do it with the needles? I keep them in a prescription bottle and I put them in my bag and I've never encountered an issue since they're in a prescription bottle with my name on them. I've never had a problem. So I'm also hearing like I, I... When I come and I need to have certain things actually reviewed, because when we put things through the scanner, if there are items that raise 
eyes, eyebrows, they um, will be identified and taken out and, and reviewed. So for instance, contact solution, mine always gets pulled out. I have to come early to the airport. Do you do the same knowing that they have to review your, uh, your medications or anything? Yes. I always head to the airport. My husband doesn't like to travel with me because I like to be there at least two hours early. But with traveling with all the medication that I have, I try to get there early and I'm always prepared. I think if you put put yourself in a position to be prepared and not put it down to the wire, you're reducing your stress with that travel brings anyway. You're putting yourself in a position to be able to answer any questions. And then if you can pre-plan and have them in the prescription bottles, specifically, specifically for liquids and any needles that you might have. The pills that you're going to swallow generally aren't going to pose a problem because they're not liquid substances or going to be seen as sharps. You're going to put yourself in a position to be able to answer those questions for TSA. Dr. Kugel, I want to ask you one more thing. One of the things that you mentioned that people are challenged with is actually trying to get food in different cities. And you kind of touched on it by just saying that you do research in advance. What are you researching? What are you looking for? How do you make decisions? This is probably the last question I will have time for, but I think that that those things are really challenging. How do you try to have a safe experience when you're going to be in new places? What kind of foods do you pick off of a menu? What places do you avoid or what places do you look for? Tell us how you, you make those choices. Well, lucky for me, I live in the, in South Louisiana, so most food is healthier than what we're serving here at restaurants. But it's a conscious choice in terms of looking at the restaurants that are available that in the surrounding areas and knowing what you're putting in your body and making choices to put whole foods in my body. And so I, I approach it like I do at home. What would I eat at home? I'm going to eat whole foods. I'm going to eat vegetables. I'm going to drink water. I'm not going to overindulge, but I also want to sample the local fare. So balancing that and knowing what's available, having that bridge. Do you find yourself eating a lot of salads? I try to always start my meal with a salad with a light vinaigrette. I I think starting with your greens can can help your meal and help you stay away from overindulging with your entree and choosing a good salad dressing that's not high in sugar or fat. So olive oil and vinegar, uh, like a balsamic, a a true balsamic vinegar and and oil or just vinegar. And I I love, I'm I'm a vegetable person. And so I've often asked kitchens, for example, when ordering vegetables, if they can leave the butter off and if they can just steam the vegetables or even if they're pan searing them, what are you pan searing those vegetables in or using olive oil? What's your fat source? And so Some of it is empowering yourself with the knowledge just of food in general. So when you're dining out, you can ask the correct questions. Any restaurant that you're going to, whether you're traveling or at home. So I arm myself with the same approaches that I would when I'm going to dinner at home. If I'm going to go have dinner with friends, I'm going to look at the menu ahead of time so I can say, okay, what are my options of where I'm going to go and making a wise choice when I get there? Well, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. And I really am also very excited that you've done very well. So it's nice, but you've been challenged to actually travel when you weren't well. So it actually, I think you were perfect for that to say how it was like at the beginning and how you still kept a certain strategic pattern throughout the whole time. 
So thanks, and uh, please stay tuned for our next episode of the Heart Failure Beat.